Hello, everybody, and welcome to what we would normally do is five points of contact, and we'd have a two-minute intro, and it'd be fancy, and it'd get you geared up for Nebraska stuff. But I only have Scott for a half hour. He's a busy man. And I remember, I think it was uh, Spencer Hall saying that in the offseason, you only have one job, but during the season, you have 15 or 10 or 15. How's that? Does that sound like your life right now? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, Monday nights, I have a TV show. I have three different podcasts. And then uh, then I also write for a living and, and radio shows. And then uh, typically I get hit up in Lincoln or Omaha quite a bit during the season, um, which I appreciate. But then during this week, it's always uh, doubly so. And, oh, you're subtracting a day from the calendar anyway. And then, oh, you have Thanksgiving. So this is just a, a really hectic week. But uh, but still, I'm, I'm also, you know, it always, I always get bummed this week, though. And it, it's just because this is it. This is the last regular yeah. season game. We talk about this for nine months. Yep. And then here we are. It's it's over. And you're like, ah, oh, went too fast. It always what? does. Okay. Let's just get into it. I mean, the, very, the first question is obvious, I think. Uh, is, is this Kirk's last year? No, no. I thought it might be, you know, based on everything that happened with Brian getting ousted basically by the president through the interim athletic director. And Kirk kind of, uh, he was a little ambiguous, I think, that during the news conference the next day. Uh, he, I, I was a little bit unsure what his position was, but he made it pretty clear the next day. And then I've talked to a couple of people very, very close to him. And he's like, they're like, no, he's going to stay. He's going to keep coaching. He's probably going to keep coaching at least for a few more years. And he's 68, but he's a young 68. He's not, uh, he's in pretty good shape and he loves coaching football. And I think ultimately, this is one of those moves that he may hate initially, but it's probably the best move for Brian because Brian is a really good offensive line coach and tight ends coach. He was fantastic in New England. Um, it's just kind of the Peter principle. You know, he's not a very good off play caller. And uh, and ultimately, uh, they need to have somebody else in that position. And and I think Brian will land on his feet. He'll, he'll get another job and do, do some good things at a different place. Well, let's shelve the OC talk until the, until the last five minutes. Offensive coordinator talk. This game coming up, Nebraska needs it for a bowl game. Iowa's already won the Big Ten West, the mess that that is. There was talk about them resting players. I think that was just the biggest bunch of hooey ever. I, I didn't, it, That had to be message board stuff, wasn't it? Well, Kirk, Kirk kind of brought it up on Saturday, kind of almost as a joke, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, maybe we'll rest players like they do in the NFL because he was with the NFL for a little while before he came back to Iowa. And and then today he just said he admitted he was just totally kidding that that's not going to happen. Now, there are a couple of players who are banged up quite a bit, and it would not surprise me if they don't play. And if if they needed to win this game to win the West, would would they play? Eh, maybe, but they're you know two. One of them in particular is Logan Jones, who's from Council Bluffs, and he's only played the first series in the last two games at center because of a high ankle sprain, and um, he just hasn't been able to really do anything with it. And and so he's not even on the listed on the depth chart, and it wouldn't surprise me if he sits out just because there's just no way he could get around with it. So when you look at this game. You know, first of all, I mean, we all know that the offense has problems. Both teams' offenses have problems. You know, has 
Do you think Deacon Hill? I, I I don't mean to be rude to the guy, but honestly, he looks like a a high end high school quarterback. Has he improved over the past few games that he's been playing, or not at all? He has, which you know is surprising, and it's not really like Stockholm syndrome or anything where I'm going, oh wow, this guy's a uh, you know much better. But his first three games that he started, plus the Michigan State game, which he played the final three quarters, he completed like 36 percent of his pass, averaging you know 94 yards a game, and that was just horrendous because I felt the same way watching this. I'm like, you could have probably had one of the defensive backs, you know, certainly Cooper DeGene, but any of them go over there and take snaps and throw short passes and maybe run with the football and do better than that. But over the last three weeks, he, his completion percentage is about 63% and he's averaging 150 yards a game. Now, is he good? I'm not going to go there. I don't think he's good, but, but he's playing to the point where you're like, you know what? That's not too bad. That's, that's, you know, again, the points aren't really there. The yardage isn't all there, but you know, when you're completing 63%, you're moving the ball a little bit. Um, it looks a lot better because certainly the first three starts in that Michigan State game, it looked like bad high school football. Frankly, it was it it was beyond the worst I've ever seen. But yet, yet they continue to manage to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cooper DeGene is out. Last year, he went out of the Nebraska game and Trey Palmer torched, uh, you know, Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer torched Iowa's defense, uh, won that game. How big, I I tell people, I think, I'm even nice to Iowa when I say this, I think Cooper DeGene is one of the top five players in the nation. But does this make a huge, huge difference in this game given Nebraska's offensive problems? Not as much as it did last year, because when he went out, uh, Iowa brought in a true freshman, really seeing his first snaps. He played some garbage snaps in the year. And then, uh, you know, Trey Palmer went right at him. And it's it's like, you know, how unfair of a situation. You've got four, three, you know, speed coming right at you as a true freshman. And he got just annihilated. And, and, I, and I, any school would have done the same thing, you know, but that really hurt Iowa immensely. This year, I don't think as much. He's a very good tackling cornerback. He's obviously a terrific cover corner that hasn't allowed a touchdown all year and maybe the, the most exciting punt return in the country. And so it hurts in a million ways. But his impact in this specific game this year is probably is lessened than it was last year. Um, they have a redshirt freshman starting for him. He's pretty good, but he's still young. Um, I think, you know, based on there's no Trey Palmer on the field, I think, right. you know, that they'll probably survive that a little bit better. But, but, uh, that, that said, you know, he is a, a monumental loss, just like the tight ends. The tight ends are both NFL guys, no question. Right. Um, Eric All and Luke Lachey, and, and having them out for the season has been a killer for that offense. Now, have you, have you watched much Nebraska? I know you have to be prepared for this stuff, but if you have, did you watch us against Wisconsin? I did see some of it. Yeah. I was in the press box paying as much attention as I could. And it's really been fascinating to me to watch, um, the quarterback situation all year. Cause you go in and I'm, and I guess I can speak more as an outsider than anything, but Jeff Sims 
you thought, okay, maybe he's going to take that step forward from Georgia Tech to Nebraska. And instead, no, there's a reason why he, uh, you know, played the way he did at Georgia Tech. And then, you know, Heinrich Harburg, which, uh, you know, what, what a name. Um, <laughs> it's like he got straight, came straight out of uh, my area, you know, Prussia or someplace, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he, he's been, you know, he, I remember him, what, two years ago over there, I think he had his first career start against Iowa and, um, you know, really good running quarterback. But then uh, Chubba Purdy, you know, last week was pretty dynamic running the football. So I guess, you know, I'm talking to players today and seeing kind of what they're looking for. Uh, they expect a running quarterback. They expect Purdy right now, but they're also like, yeah, if we see some, one of the other guys, we kind of know what we're getting. Uh, but, you know, the, the Nebraska, the story of the season to me is the defense had been the problem for so many years yeah. after Bo Pelini, and now it's the strength, and now the offense is the one having problems. It's like if you would have plugged in a – you know, uh, I don't know, an Adrian Martinez or somebody, you know, in the last, uh, you know, couple of years, you know, they, they've been, this, this team would want would have won the West probably, but right. you know, here you are, you know. Is there anything about Nebraska's offense that Iowa should be worried about? Let's say Chubba Purdy plays as well as he did as against Wisconsin. Where do you think that the weaknesses are that Iowa has to be concerned about? I think it really has to do with uh, stopping the run. Even though Iowa is a good run defense, it can be ran on once in a while. Not necessarily for humongous chunks of 17 and 20 yards, but I think it's more of a matter of consistently getting after them. They they do give up some rushing yards, and I know that's kind of what Nebraska's strength is. So, um, you know, I, I can see, you know, Nebraska running on them in between the 20s. For sure. And then that's to me what, uh, you know, if you want to talk about dictating tempo, being out on the field, you know, maybe having a six minute drive, even if it, even if it nets a field goal. Uh, but if it's like a six minute drive for Nebraska and then Iowa goes three and out and they get the ball again. And, and that's to me what I think could be a problem for Iowa. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not going to be the type of team that's going to give up 38 or anything on this. Right. Game, but but they're one that could give up two or three field goals and a touchdown and then not having this offense, you know, that might be too much. I keep thinking I'd fix my internet, but no, I freeze up every once in a while. Okay. And I completely lost my train of thought. So Nebraska's defense, I, where do you see Iowa being able to take advantage of Nebraska's defense? You guys don't really – there's no real – the tight ends, I again, I think that, you know, you look at Iowa, they become like – what do they call it? Tight end school, tight end you. Yeah, tight end You know, you. Noah Fant. Yeah, yeah. We could go through the list. But they don't really have a speed guy, do they, at receiver? No. Um, they've gotten a little bit better there um, in the last couple of weeks. Caleb Brown, who was a transfer from Ohio State, a four-star, hadn't played a whole lot and, you know, had a, a few little issues, nothing too major, but didn't get to see much action early in the year. And then um, he stepped in and had a big catch against Northwestern that led to the game-winning field goal. And over the last two games, he's got uh, 10 passes, 14 targets, almost 100 yards, touchdown. And, excuse me, he's got a real, um, you know, he's, he's really quick. He's built like a running back, uh, you know, in some ways. And I think he could be a guy that gets loose a little bit. Um, the, the tight end, Addison Ostranga, he's a, he's a true sophomore. 
He's not where he's going to be, but he looks the part. Um, I think he's going to be the, you know, after Lachey and all of whether they come back or not, that still remains to be determined. But, you know, I think he's in that ballpark where he's an NFL guy eventually, not today. But and then the one, one other thing that they've been able to do recently much better is they is run the football. And that's something that Iowa, of course, lives on. The offensive line was horrendous the last two years. This year, they're much better. They're much improved. They haven't given up nearly as many sacks. They, you know, they've, uh, you know, just been able to, to, you know, really be more physical at the line. They don't run as much zone as they used to. That's what they lived on. But now that the the game is getting officiated to where you can't cut block as much as frequently, they they figure that they'll and and this group's probably better anyway with gap and counter that that's been their bread and butter and uh, and so they've got three pretty good running backs um, and they're looking the part there so I think you know can can they hurt Nebraska I don't know I don't think they can really hurt them I think they can score a couple of times but that's about it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know a major scoring game would be 24 points. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to go there, uh, but I, I think they've got a chance to to you know move the ball every now and then, and, and maybe do they did, one big play. Did they still run traditional screen passes? I mean, everybody yeah. loves the bubble screen, the wide receiver screen, the middle screen. The, Iowa was always good for a while at just running a traditional. The blockers are out in front of the back and screen. Do they still do that at all? Not as much, uh, you know. I, I wish they would be better at it. I think they'd be that this type of offense would be really good at it. They uh, and and a lot of that is because the line is a little bit bigger, a little bit more. I won't say fit more physical, but they're, they're they've got less lateral movement um, in space. So I think that they what they've tried to do is uh, the screens go more to the. They're not bubble screens necessarily, but they're somewhat like that to their. To, the, to both Nico Ragaini and and Caleb Brown, but they they don't really run screens to the to the running backs very often. Pass rush is does it exist? <laughs> Not as much as it has in the past. I mean, it's still. It's still okay, but it's not great, you know. If I it, and that is, you know, they've got 20 sacks this year. That's probably been the one detriment to defense. They don't have that AJ Epineza, Anthony Nelson. Take your pick on all these guys, you know, Chauncey Golston, that are all in the NFL and all performing well there. Uh, they don't have that kind of pass rush. I think Joe Evans is probably the best one. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think if he was on any team, they would love, you know, sixth year, former walk on high school quarterback who built himself into this, you know, two year starter team captain, you know, you know, pass rusher who's gotten six plus sacks for three straight years. Um, So he's probably their best. They have a few others who can get after it, but they're better against the run and they've got some depth. They just don't have that elite edge rusher maybe that they've had in the past, but but they can still get to the quarterback, no, no question. They're just not as good as, say, Nebraska is at it. Okay. I was on a show earlier tonight, and I was talking with an Iowa guy, and, you know, I – I usually I usually don't take this stuff that serious. I usually, you know, when I run into serious people on these shows, I always have a problem with them just because I've tried to learn how to not take this stuff as serious. Otherwise, I get just so angry about everything. And uh, anyway, I said to him, if I had to pick a, you know, we talked about Cooper DeGene. And I said, if I had to pick a guy 
that I could take off into Iowa's team. I think it's Tory Taylor. Is that the punter's <laughs> name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, the guy, what the hell? Why do you get that good a punter? Is this a, is this a focused, literally, strategy that Kirk Ferentz has that this is how he's going to play football? Yes. Um, it, it's something, but before him, they didn't have a really a great punter. They used walk-ons and, and they were nice. A couple of, you know, then they'd have a couple of transfers and they were okay. But this was a, just a strange story, how they got him. They decided to go to pro, uh, to pro kick Australia. Um, and they went down there right before COVID hit and they lined up with, with Tory. They really liked him. And then of course he's been the best punter, you know, in the nation for multiple right. years, including this year. And he is, uh, he, he is a true weapon in, in how they play. And this is why they'll continue to go to Australia is because of his ball placement, you know, at angles and inside the 12, you know, get, gets the ball inside the five. You just, it happens so regularly. I mean, last week, you know, and yet another time, I think it's like the fifth time that I can remember where, you know, he angles a punt, they get it, you know, down to the five yard line and then they get a safety out of it. Right. Um, and it's just, they work hand in glove that way. And what's fascinating is that the defensive players recognize how good he is. So, so many of them over the years have volunteered to want to be gunners or want to be, you know, Riley Moss and, and Cooper DeGene, you know, volunteer. We want to be gunners. Jack Campbell and, you know, we want to go down and cover punts because they just, they feel that energy. And it's just, it's been something uh, remarkable. I'm going to take a, a question from Fred Sacco. And Fred is never serious. And he's usually, yeah. uh, well, quite frankly, on the edge of risk. Well, he is risque most of the time. So this is a serious question. Fred Sacco says, serious question for the end. Will Iowa go for more Iowa way style ball, which I assume we're just talked about with Kirk Ferentz, or go crazy and try wholesale change, spread, air raid, et cetera? Oh no, not with not with Kirk Ferentz there. No yeah. way. I mean, you know, the, all you have to do is look at Wisconsin, um, and you know that that didn't work very well this year. Not to say that it won't next year, but I think Iowa is the most self-aware program in the country, and that's because of Kirk. In some ways, they understand what they are, they understand their liabilities, and and so they try to play to those strengths and limit those liabilities. And and so one of them is they're not going to be able to go out and get the best receivers in the country. Now you'd hope they get better receivers than they've had, but, <laughs> you know, and they're not going to be able to get a quarterback like a Trevor Lawrence or Peyton Manning, but you kind of hope they get somebody decent once in a while. Um, but <laughs> overall that, that that's why I expect them to, to stay with a similar philosophy when they do get a new offensive coordinator. Um, I don't expect wholesale changes, but they do operate with three wide receiver sets quite a bit. In fact, last week, first time I can remember in years that they went with a four receiver set and one tight end and no running backs. Probably they did that probably five or six times, I'd have to say. And that was that was a little radical, <laughs> I would say, for <laughs> Iowa. Now, it's, it's part of that philosophy. Is that because Kirk Ferentz is going to – I don't know what Iowa's nil program is like. Is that because they don't expect to go out and just pay willy-nilly for, you know, like a market price top 10 quarterback or, you know, are they, they're going to rely on doing this because they're going to develop players that they don't have to pay a lot of money because they don't have it? Or where does this – how is he doing with this nil and portal stuff? 
Yeah, the the you know the NIL program is actually fairly decent for the football program. Uh, they went in and they got a quarterback right away. You know, Cade McNamara, who'd won a Big Ten championship at Michigan. Eric All is, you know, was highly sought after. They were able to get Caleb Brown, who was either between Iowa and, and Texas A&M, and they got Nick Jackson on the defensive side uh, that was between Iowa and Oklahoma. So they were able to go out and, and get good players, um, and I expect them to do the same this year. You know, it, it, I think what it is, it comes down to with Iowa – uh, you know, specifically to the style of play is that in the Midwest, what Kirk Ferentz kind of thinks, and, you know, maybe the history tells him he's right, is it's easier for him to go recruit small town offensive linemen, some big kid who's 6'5", 260, and build them up to be 310. And then, oh, by the way, they're Brandon Sheriff or somebody like that, than it is to, to go out and find 4'3" you know, wide receivers um, and to, to be successful. And then you're talking about cold North and, you know, I, I could see things getting shaken up a little bit with the, with the league layout, but that's just yeah. kind of, but with Iowa and Wisconsin kind of having a stranglehold on this division for, you know, 10 years yeah. that everybody's kind of played to them. And, and, you know, and that's the way you have to win. And, you know, next year it'll be war, you know, it'll be different. It'll, it'll be an adjustment, I think, for everybody, and certainly in Iowa. I, it's going to be – you know what? It's going to be exciting to watch USC play in Kinnick Stadium and deal with you people. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? I keep – I watch Twitter, and I watch the, you know, the USC guys, and they're like, we're going to clean up this league. Okay, whatever. Offense. Okay, welcome to the yeah. Midwest, guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, <laughs> I, I do have to beat you up about Twitter. Okay. I have it on good authority that you constantly troll Nebraska fans on purpose to get the clicks that <laughs> Elon Musk is paying you millions of dollars for. Is that true? Uh, guilty as charged, uh, but I'm still waiting for that check. <laughs> no, I honestly, there there are times when, yeah, I can see where that comes across as trolling. And then there are, but there are a lot of times when it's not, you know, I, I think the one talking about the Caitlin Clark effect. Yes. Yeah. That one was not anywhere near that. I was just trying to describe it to Iowa fans that, you know, the Caitlin Clark effect is when you look around the Big Ten, when she goes anywhere. Right. She plays. I mean, she was on the Manning cast last night. But, but when right. she, you know, the average number of fans jumps by 3,500 in Big Ten environments just when she played last year. Um, you know, when she and Virginia Tech went to North Carolina to play, they sold it out. The most well attended women's basketball game in North Carolina history earlier this year. So it was kind of a description that, hey, Nebraska volleyball is kind of this is the Caitlin Clark effect in reverse. Right. And I think people miss that those last two words, which is Nebraska volleyball travels and people, go, you know, cause nobody goes to the volleyball games here. And so <laughs> you get your first sellout ever and it's uh, the Caitlin Clark effect in reverse. And uh, for whatever reason that set people off. And, and it, it, that it. was like, that was the day too, that, that Kirk had his press conference about Brian. And I'm like, I have no reason to, to want to, <laughs> try to get any kind of troll action on this. I have enough on my plate today and Lord knows, <laughs> you know, I don't so, know why people took offense to it. So this is the last year of divisions. You know what? I'll guess before I get to that, 
what do you see happening in this game? I mean, do people make you do predictions? Cause we usually just, we, we do rampant speculation because we're insane. <laughs> and there you go. What do you see happening in this game? I think that this is a game where the de- defenses obviously dictate tempo. And I, I think both teams probably turn the other one over maybe even early and it becomes, you know, and I know CBS is going to love hearing this, but I think it could be six to three, one way or the other at halftime. You know, and it's just punt ball. And it's just like, ah, the Big Ten West, they, you know, RIP. And then at some point in the third quarter, somebody's going to get something going. And it could be Nebraska with its running game, or it could be Iowa moving the ball down the field. And then there's going to be a, a, a you know, a, a turnover that's going to clinch the game one way or the other in the fourth quarter. Now, Iowa is very comfortable in these types of games and right. it's one of them. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's nine and two with an asterisk because that Cooper regime punt that, that didn't count. But um, Nebraska obviously has been lost a lot of close games last week, yeah. you know, Maryland, Michigan state, you know, how does it feel? Does it pucker up in the fourth quarter if it's close or does it break through and say, you know, GD, we need to make this happen. And, you know, this is our way to get to a bowl game. This is our way to beat one of our rivals and, and, you know, and, and really kind of usher the new, a new era in with a big win. And, and so I think it's, it's going to come down to that. And I was comfortable in those moments. I would probably pick Iowa by three, but I am not picking a blowout either way. I think it's going to be a close competitive because these are two of the better defenses in the country. Yeah, I think it's it honestly, you know, and I said this in the earlier show. I mean, let's face it, it, Iowa does win the one points, one score games. Nebraska hasn't won the one score games. It's really hard to pick a Nebraska victory. I always want to be a homer and do that because I can be, but it's I this game. I don't know. I imagine Friday I'll get really nervous about it because I do that. You guys are trained as professionals to not get all edgy about this, right? Yeah. I mean, I, after covering basketball as many years as I did home and away <laughs> and having really intense deadlines, I mean like eight o'clock tip and your deadline's 10 30 and you're just like, Oh, I just hope the game gets over in time. You know, you know, having that, I don't, you know, my blood pressure doesn't rise or anything. I just kind of get into it. Now I get, uh, you know, a little anxious one way or the other, you know, cause you want to see the result and, you have to write immediately, both myself and Mitch Sherman have right. to write as soon as the game's over and and then uh, figure out what our next line of thought is. But, yeah, I don't get too riled up necessarily over the results. I'm going to take one question. Uh, we're coming up on end time. Nebraska strong, go Big Red, says Scott, from studying Penn State's beatdown of Iowa, what does Nebraska need to copy in order to absolutely destroy Iowa? You see how optimistic we are? <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I get it, and I understand it. Um, Penn State, first of all, that day was the best game Penn State had played all year, no question. There was a lot of uh, vitriol in Penn State land over Iowa from a couple of years ago. They've had a great series, those two teams. They went back and forth, and and uh, the the booing of the players that were – some of them were injured, some of them were laying there. Um, that really chapped Penn State the wrong way. What they were able to do, though, on the field and take advantage of Iowa was that they were very patient. They were they, – they, and Drew Aller played his best game. He was right on point all over the field. He was able to hit 
you know, because Iowa's defense has holes in it, you know, in, in its zone, but it doesn't mean that it's really uh, you just have to be patient enough to, to attack them. And and he was able to do that. He was on point. They ran the ball, but they didn't really have any explosive runs. And then, of course, their defense just ate Iowa alive up front. They had no, you know, they couldn't do anything on offense. This is why they had their first shutout since 2000. So, yeah, it it would be, you know, I, I would be surprised <laughs> if Penn State or if Nebraska threw like Penn State did that day. But uh, I would say patience is the, the key against Iowa. Just take it, take it. You know, it's three yards, it's four yards. Play their game if you need to. But take advantage of the mistakes because that's what Iowa tends to do is you fumble it, you know, they've cashed into points, and then all of a sudden you're, man, we lost by two, you know? <laughs> so so uh, the last question, I'll let you go. Uh, what do you think? The Big Ten expands. I mean, what do you think of this stuff, the four of California, or the not California, but the four West Coast teams coming in, the Big Ten West, God, and it's been a beautiful year for the Big Ten West. <laughs> And I mean a beautiful year that that corresponds with the absolute dumbness of college football as a sport. What, what do you think of the what's going to happen with Iowa? Because I, I want your perspective on that. Is anything going to change, or do you think Kirk's just going to do the same thing he's always done? I think ninety to ninety-five percent of it will remain the same because it has been successful. I mean, when you look at um, you know, I think they're eighth or ninth and wins in the big 10 across the country since 2018, um, you know, in the big 10, they're third. So they've been successful. Granted they've, you know, and, and this has really been the one bad year of big 10 West football. There've been other years where they've been not quite as strong as the top of the East, but across the board, they've been better. Um, I expect them to, to the, the principles, the foundation will all remain the same, but the, the things that are going to change is who's going to call the plays and where they go there will probably, you know, be, you know, finish out his career, you know, in, in one way or the other. And, and, you know, there have been a couple of discussions on people. It's all speculation at this point. You know, I think, you know, Paul Christ has been one that's been mentioned a lot. Right. And, and I think that would be the healthiest choice because Kirk, uh, Kirk's not going to go out and say, I'm going to go get this 30 year old hotshot, you know, coordinator in Texas. It's just not, that's not his style. But Paul understands the run game and he understands how it is effective to win. He, he used it when he was OC with, with Brett Bielema and then, of, you know, working for Barry Alvarez and then as a, as a head coach. Uh, it's something that they can implement at Iowa. And he's got enough clout that, see, Kirk does tinker with Brian and has tinkered with his OCs a lot and kind of turns it from being you know, plain to risk averse. <laughs> That's what makes it bad. But I think if you have somebody who is adept at play calling, which Brian has not been, that I think that, and you have somebody with that kind of clout, then maybe Kirk takes a step back, lets him coach. And then that's how they get ahead because, you know, like USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, they're going to come into the league and they're going to have, they're, they're, they're going to have their issues too. I mean, right. you know, Mike, Michael Penix is not coming. You know, Bo Nix is not coming. Caleb Williams right. is not coming. And I saw Iowa beat USC, you know, 49 to 24 a couple of years ago in a bowl game where they had great players. But, and it's just to me, when they come to the Midwest, that that's not going to be easy, you know, in November, <laughs> you know, playing football here, you know, yeah, 
um, and the physicality will take its toll. So I, I think that it, it changes it because I think it means everybody's going to have to adapt a little bit. But I think those that stay to their principles and, and execute at a high level are still going to be very competitive in this league. All right. You know what? I said I wanted you for 30 minutes. It's been over 30 minutes. You have some other stuff to get going. Uh, I'll let you go. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, you know, you're you're the voice of Iowa football for me. So there you go. Thank you for showing well, thank up. You. Thank I you. Always Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and and I'll be more than happy to talk again in the off season. You know, it's uh, when when we're all kind of jonesing for football, and you know, yeah. it's uh, after signing day or it's before spring football, and you're going, to, oh, you know, and, and everybody's talking about the games coming up, and uh, yeah, I'll be more than happy to talk and maybe even take a few arrows from your fans. <laughs> all right, I'm going to take a couple more comments from fans. If you need to go, uh, okay. take care of yourself, and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you too, John. Take care. All right, take care. All right, I'm going to – wait, wait, wait. Brad Burke, Iowa fan here. Uh, Brad Burke says, Iowa fan here to beat Iowa. Hold field position, no turnovers, play good run defense. Kirk said today they are focused on 10 wins, not looking at the big championship. And then Brad Burke also follows up with, good luck, Nebraska. Last time goalpost came down in Lincoln was 1994. If not, Nebraska looks better, especially on defense, than in the past. Huh. Well, oh, my God, Don showed up at the very end and said, fuck Iowa, and that was the first fuck Iowa. My God, we went through that whole thing without that. But, you know, Scott's a professional, and, and I enjoy the fact that he comes on and uh, that he talks to me. <laughs> Some riffraff like myself. I am going to actually go because uh, – I am, you know, I'll be honest with you. That thing I said early on in the show about, you know, having like 10 different jobs during the on season, on the, during the season and only having one job in the off season. That's the honest to God truth. And this, uh, this season has been, it's been a grind. I've, I've had a lot of fun. I wish we had more wins in Nebraska. Hopefully we will, uh, get a win this Friday and get bowl eligibility. And then we can actually, you know, the thing is about that is we can not only get a, do a bowl. And I think we'd all agree that would be a successful program or successful first year for Matt rule. Otherwise I think we're going to spend like nine months or 15 months, 860 months. It'll drag on discussing whether or not it was a successful year and hearing from the guys, the people that want to be negative about everything. I just, I God, I hope Nebraska wins this one. I'm going to go because I'm kind of exhausted. And I do thank all of you for your support. And I thank you for following the channel throughout this season. It's been, you know, it's been another hard season. Uh, there you go. You all take care of yourselves. Thank you. And go Big Red. <laughs>